honor to be hooked up with you. So thank you guys so much. Um, this is our vision month. This is our month where we are uh, just communicating simply what God is doing at Anchor Faith Church in Valdosta. And uh, we are on the cusp of greatness. And, uh, you know, sometimes I feel like I have to say that as a visionary and as the leader, you always got to be moving things forward. But I honestly believe that that's not just words to conjure up something or compel you to do something that's not really there. Um, I want you to know that this church is on the cusp of something great. And um, you're here for such a time as this. You need to know that you you've come here for such a time as this. And um, it's an honor to do what God's called you to do. It's it's an honor to be where God's called you to be. And I want to tell you this, too. It's amazing what God can do with fertile soil. It's amazing what God can do with fertile soil. If you'll stay flexible, if you'll stay moldable, if you'll stay teachable, if you allow yourself to get planted somewhere, uh, I, I know, especially in our day and age, in our culture, it, it, it's nothing to just get up, leave a church, and go down the road, and you don't even have to think twice about it. But if you allow God to plant you somewhere, even through the, tr- uh, the struggles, even through the trials, even through the troubles, even through the things that might say, hey, you need to find, so- find another place, if you'll just stay where God's planted you, don't uproot before the fruit comes. And it meant too many times we uproot. I know in my own life I, I, I've, I've made decisions and I've had to look back and say, you know what, I could have hung out a little longer. I could have strived a little longer. I could have gone a little deeper. And if I would have done that, who knows what God would have been able to produce out of me. And so I just want to uh, encourage you with that. Just stay hooked up where God has led you and uh, everything will work out for uh, your benefit. Amen. Hallelujah. Last week we opened up with this verse. We'll go ahead and start there. Habakkuk chapter 2. Habakkuk chapter 2. Uh, it's one of those can be kind of difficult to find. So if you struggle with finding it in your Bible, we've got these beautiful screens up here. I can do my little Vanna White for you. It's as good as it gets right there, guys. I don't got anything else. Sorry. Uh, but Habakkuk chapter 2, verse 2. Then the Lord answered me. The Lord answered me. How many of you are looking for an answer? How many of you are looking for some direction? How many are looking for some guidance? I need some answers. The Lord answered me and said, write the vision and make it plain on tablets that he may run who reads it. Remember we said this last week, the vision is designed to be run with. When I hear vision, it activates me to do something, to participate, to contribute, to get my hands dirty, to, to put my hand to something. The vision activates uh, me to participate, that he may run who reads it. Verse 3 says, for the vision is yet for an appointed time. That means it's up ahead. And at the end, it will speak and it will lie. See, sometimes we want the vision to speak at the beginning. We want all the direction up, at, up front, right? Uh, God showed me the whole path. You realize that if God showed you the whole path, you probably wouldn't take it. I can, I can be honest with you right now. Some of you know my story. Some of you have heard uh, uh, my, my testimony as far as uh, the path that God's taken me on. Uh, but when I left Texas, where I'm originally from, and that also beautifully won against Oklahoma University yesterday afternoon, give God all the glory and praise, uh, our... our uh, season is all but done, but that's the only game. That's the only game that matters. If we just get the Red River Shootout, y'all might not know about that. That's a big rivalry for us. But anyways, I'm from Texas, and when I left Texas, I knew I was called to ministry. I mean, I knew I was called to ministry from a young age, about five years old. That was all that I wanted to do. Last year, um, I had the opportunity to go back to San Antonio, Texas, and minister at the very first church I ever attended. Right out of the womb, this was the church that I went to. And it's because of that pastor at the age of four and at the age of five uh, influencing me for ministry. It's because of that man uh, uh, that I'm doing what I'm doing today. Uh, but I always knew growing up that I wanted to be in ministry. That was my call. And um, went to Bible school right out of high school. Moved back home to Texas and just kind of waiting to see what God wanted to do. Uh, and uh, uh, my best friend from Bible school called me and said, hey, I'm going to Florida to help uh, my pastor start a church there. He's starting a brand new church in St. Augustine. I'm going to be the worship pastor. Him and I had done music together, so he said, hey, why don't you come play drums, and it might be a good opportunity for you to just get a 
idea of what ministry is like from the ground up. Two months after the church has started, I moved there in July of 2004, meet my wife in July of 2004, and it's just steps along the way. But one of the steps that I would have never been able to say, God, this is how you're going to get me there, was children's ministry. I didn't like kids. Kids didn't like me. It was mutual. We, we, we knew to stay away from each other. We knew that's your space. This is my space. Uh, uh, you know, my wife didn't know it at the time, obviously, when we we're talking about getting married, but I really didn't have any. I would have been fine not having kids. I would have been fine. The kids were not on my agenda. And uh, one day, in the, on, sitting on the grass during a flag football game, Pastor Earl comes up to me and he says, hey, uh, you know, we're, we're looking for some more uh, teachers in our two- and three-year-olds. And I'm thinking... <laughs> That's great. Who do you want me to talk to? <laughs> you got somebody in mind? You want me to go encourage somebody to follow God? And he says, we're thinking about uh, uh, you and your wife, you and your wife uh, uh, helping us out. And uh, I'm thinking, no, not, not an option. Uh, but, man, you know, God has called me to do whatever it is. If you won't do any, if you won't do everything, you won't do anything. If you've got it laid out in your mind, well, I'll, I'll serve God as long as he takes me down this path and sets me up for this, and I'm, I'm willing to do this, but this is off limits. If you've got off limits, God cannot use you to your fullest extent. You've got to be open and moldable and teachable and say, God, whatever it is. It's amazing the things that God will draw out of you that you didn't even know were in you. And so I'm like, oh, okay, my wife is running this show, and, and, and I'm just there helping out, you know, doing whatever I can. And uh, she's obviously phenomenal with, with children, always has been, has young nieces. And, and, you know, my brother was a year and a half younger than me, so, uh, or not even that, 14 months younger than me. So I didn't ever have to deal with, you know, young kids in the house and those type of things. Just was never on my agenda. But that's the path he took me down. That led us to become children's pastors down in St. Augustine, Florida, which I'll tell anybody. I, I tell anybody that wants to go into ministry, wants to be a senior pastor one day, you need to uh, be a children's pastor. You need to do children's ministry. It's like a small church. And, and if you can break it down for them, if you can break it down for children, you can reach the adults. Amen. And, and that was our preparation time. Those three years that we had in that children's ministry, growing that children's ministry, and doing what God called us to do in, in those steps, that's what led us. But like I said, if God would have showed me in 2004, now here's what's going to happen. I'm going to send you out to St. Augustine, Florida, and uh, you are going to get hooked up with the children's ministry. You're going to help out with two- and three-year-olds, man, and you're going to love it. And that's going to lead you into becoming a children's pastor. And then from there, that's going to set you up to senior pastor one day. I would have said, I rebuke you in the name of Jesus. Get thee behind me. Satan, you are an offense to me. You're causing me to stumble. I wouldn't have gone down the path. There's no way. There's no way. There, you wouldn't take the path if God showed it to you up front. But the Bible tells us that he directs our steps. And sometimes it's as I'm stepping. I don't know where I'm landing, but all I know is I'm just following God on this thing. And, 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 and so this vision is for an appointed time. It's for a time that has not yet come. And the vision will speak in the end. Let's throw that back up there, verse 3. The vision will speak in the end, and it will not lie. Though it tarries, wait for it. Wait for it. Because it will surely come. It will not tell you. Let's look at this in the New Living Translation. The New Living Translation. Then the Lord said to me, write my answer. Write my answer plainly on tablets. Remember we said this last week that God's vision for your life will answer a problem that you have right now. The answer to the problem, the solution that you're looking for is in the vision that God's given you. That thing that's up ahead that hasn't happened yet, it is, uh, I, I heard one minister put it this way, you were born to solve a problem. There's no accidents. There are no accidents. Nobody is on this planet by accident. I don't care uh, what kind of encounter uh, uh, took place that brought you into the planet physically. You were not an accident. God knew you before you were even in your mother's womb. He already knew your name. He already knew your purpose. He's already given you an assignment. And that assignment is to solve a problem that's, is, that's out there right now. That's every single person in this room. You've got an opportunity to be a solution to someone or to something. 
And so the vision is an answer. Write my answer plainly on, ta- on tablets so that a runner can carry the correct message, the correct message to others. Verse 3, this vision is for a future time. It describes the end, and it will be fulfilled. If it seems slow in coming, wait patiently. Not impatiently, wait patiently, for it will surely take place. It will not be delayed. Uh, uh, if you've been with Anchor Faith Church for any matter of time, or if you've even turned around and seen the back of our wall, you know the vision of our church. It's very clear. Uh, we write these things to make it clear. It is to ignite the city, impact the nation, and influence the world. That is the vision of Anchor Faith Church as birthed out of St. Augustine, Florida. And we are an extension of that. We are the first extension site out of St. Augustine, Florida into the United States, and this is only going to increase. This is only going to grow. We have works being done uh, down in Nicaragua. We were doing a work for a period of time in Puerto Rico. We are reaching the world for the kingdom of God, and we have to never despise small beginnings. We've always said from day one, we do not call ourselves a small church. Well, we're just a small church. There's nothing, God does nothing small. We're a beginning church. We're a beginning church. We're beginning church. Now, statistically, it takes about three to five years for the city to even accept you as, okay, they're for real about this thing. They're not going anywhere, especially in our day and age. There are, uh, uh, I, I want to say, upwards of 1,500 pastors that step out of the ministry every weekend. Every weekend, 1,500 pastors. Back uh, 30 years ago, the average tenure of a pastor uh, uh, at one church was 30 years. Now the average tenure is cut in half to 15 years. Many of them aren't even making that long. Many of them, uh, after about uh, 36 months, three to five years, uh, they're just stepping out and and recognizing this is just too much. Can't do it. The strain on pastors today is even greater. Uh, The the competition, so to speak, is so much stronger uh, because you can just go online and you can get the greatest messages in the world. But people that want to get plugged in locally to a local body church, I'll tell you right now, the local body church is the answer to the hurting world. And I have a heart for the local body church. I thank God for technology. I thank God for what we can do. We put our messages online, but our messages online are not a replacement for being in the local body church. Uh, The only time that's an excuse is if there's something that pulls you away from the church, which is a family matter, a vacation, or if you're sick. And if you're serving next door, uh, really, we put those on a lot of times for our children, uh, workers that are back here teaching your kids so they can still hear and receive the word of God. Amen. But it's not to replace this. You can't replace serving. You can't replace fellowshipping. You can't replace connecting. You can't replace the discipleship and the training and the development that's taking place in this setting right here. There's no way. There's no way you can replace it laying in bed with your PJs, drinking your cup of coffee uh, and, and watching somebody online. Thank God you can do that. And I know there's times that I've drawn from ministers and pastors online. Thank God for that. But at the end of the day, I value this. Value being with my church body and my church family. Amen. And so uh, I've got a heart for the local church uh, and the local community. Uh, Just this past week, I got to be with about 23 other pastors uh, uh, on Thursday. We had lunch um, options now here in town. Uh, Miss Becky D, she held uh, a pastor's appreciation lunch for all of us. Great getting to meet uh, other pastors, a lot of them who I've already known, got to meet some new ones. And I I just, I, I love them. I love them. I feel for them. I know what they're going through. I know the, the things that the, that the pressures that they're under. But at the end of the day, we're all trying to do the same thing. We're trying to reach people for the kingdom of God in Lowndes County and Val Austin. At the end of the day. Uh, this is what God has called us to do. This is what God's called my wife and I to do. This is what God's called you to do. We've had people that have uprooted, relocated, and come here. And then many of you are right here. You're getting to, to minister to the city that you've been in. You're getting to minister to people you went to high school with. You're getting to minister to people you work with. You're getting to minister. You're getting to touch and reach people's lives as a result of what we're pouring into you. Amen. We've got people even from uh, uh, the northern parts of Florida that are driving up here, coming up. We are reaching people for the kingdom of God. We never devalue small beginnings, despise small beginnings. It's a great thing that God is doing through this church. And so, ignite the city, impact the nation, influence the world. That is what we call the why. Why are we here? Purpose always answers the question, why? Until you know the purpose of something, 
uh, you will not know why you're doing it. If you don't know the purpose for school, you don't know why you're going to school. If you don't know the purpose for money, then you don't know why you have money. If you don't know the purpose for a marriage, then you don't know why you're married. Purpose always answers the question, why? And vision is always your purpose. It's why am we doing this? Why are we doing this? To ignite the city, impact the nation, and influence the world. But today, I want to show you the how. I want to show you the how. Now, we're four years in. Uh, October 16th, 2011 was our official first service uh, uh, with my wife and I. Many of you know we, the church was here two years prior, but that was really just a planting stage. It's really getting things going. My wife and I moved up here and, and really began shifting this thing and moving it to, to what it is today uh, through the vision that God has given us. Um, and over these last four years, um, God has stirred up things within me that I've either said just by the Spirit or said in service and things that have just become values of Anchor Faith Church. These are identifiable. This is almost a code. This is uh, what I call the plan. This is the plan, the plan of how do we ignite the city, impact the nation, and influence the world. So I'm going to give you seven things today. Seven items that are the core values of Anchor Faith Church. What does that mean? This defines everything that we do. Everything we do, every ministry we have, every ministry that operates, every uh, protocol and operational thing that's in place, uh, everything we give towards, everything we sow into, everything I minister is in line with these seven values. These seven values will define who Anchor Faith Church is and how we will achieve how do we ignite the city? How do we impact the nation? And how do we influence the world? Number one, number one is purpose. Purpose. These are values that define. If you've been here for any matter of time, you know that purpose uh, is inevitably you are going to hear that word at some point in our services, in our ministries, because purpose, like I said, answers the question why. And the purpose for Anchor Faith Church is it's about people's lives. It's about people's lives. Everything we do has people's lives in mind. Right now you hear children screaming through the wall right here because we know it is purposeful to minister to the next generation. If the world can go after them, why can't we go after them? And I was at this minister's lunch just this past week, like I was mentioning, and there's a young girl there that uh, uh, at Options Now, they have just started a brand new phase of their ministry uh, where they're uh, going to be going into schools and even churches, speaking with parents and speaking with middle school and high school students on the subject of abstinence. Because they found out that Options Now is a reactive ministry. This is what happens after you become pregnant. But can we be proactive? Can we get them before they end up here? And so I, I asked the young girl that's heading up this, uh, this phase of operation now that's running this uh, uh, ministry called Choose Now. And I said, how, how young are you going in and ministering to these young girls? Or, or at least uh, attempting to minister to and engage the parents. And she said, well, right now it's geared towards middle school students, but we're finding that the subject's already coming up in the fourth and the fifth grade. I said, it's even earlier than that. She said, yes, I know that. Uh, she said, uh, we, we tried to hold a, a meeting for one local church with parents of elementary-aged children on the subject of abstinence and how to bring that subject up and begin to talk about it. And she said that many of the, the parents were reluctant. I said, they're blinded. You're living in a day and age where you don't think that this stuff is even touching them. I said, the world's touching them, but the church can't do it. It's hitting younger ages. Kindergartners now are hearing subjects that you would, would be unthought of. I remember when we were in children's ministry, we had two separate cases, two isolated cases. Third, fourth, and fifth grade boys dealing with things that would just sicken you if I brought it up right now. 
third graders. You're talking eight, nine, ten, eleven. This purpose. It's about people's lives. Everything we do has an individual's life in place. We never forget that people are the kingdom's greatest commodity. Commodity is simply an asset. It's a, it's a benefit. It's something of value. We don't do things here for money. We don't do things here for buildings. We don't do things here uh, for uh, fame and so our name can become great. It's to make Jesus great because Jesus is the one that changes people's lives. But everything we do, every song we sing, every ministry that's in operation, every protocol that goes out is about people's lives. We guard the most valuable asset in this building right now. There's no piece of equipment, there's no computer, there's no instrument, there's no piece of furniture that will ever overvalue or be of a greater value than an individual's life. And we never forget that. Our purpose is helping people discover God's purpose. Purpose has become such a strong value uh, for my wife and I. I remember when we were here. Um, we weren't here, but maybe a year, and we had a young couple uh, that was coming to our church. And after about three or four services, um, you know, we asked them to go to lunch. In the early days, we could do that. We, we were the ones doing that. Now we've got uh, leaders in place that help us, you know, taking people to lunch and engaging. But we, I mean, if I could do it, if I could just say, hey, everyone, this is your first time. Let's all go eat right now. I, I would do it, man. I, I would love to do it. I just love I love eating food, and I love hanging out with people while eating food. It's just one of the greatest things. I'm from the South. That's what we do. And um, so, uh, um, but we, we were at dinner with this couple, and I remember the, the young girl uh, asked my wife and I, she said, uh, I was just curious, you know, I, I, we've been coming about four services now. I was just curious, uh, do you guys do, um, do, do you guys do communion? I said, yeah. Yeah, we, we do communion, Absolutely. Uh, you know, we we do it, I would say, on average, once a quarter. But, you know, the the Lord, you know, Jesus said, as often as you do it, do it in remembrance of me. And uh, she said, okay, well, I was just curious, you know, because the church I came from, we did it every Sunday. I said, okay. I, I said, do you know why? That's, that's the ultimate question. Why? It's good to just stop every now and then and just ask myself, why am I doing this? It'll help you out. And uh, so I said, do, do you know why? Do you know why? She said, well, I mean, it's just what we always did. I mean, we, I did it from, what, you know, I was a little girl. That's what we did. I said, at Anchor Faith Church, we're about purpose. I would rather you know why you do it more than just what you do. And it's a thing that gets lost. I mean, Jesus had to deal with this in Matthew chapter 15, verse 3. He had to deal with the Pharisees and the Sadducees. uh, And he said uh, that you are stumbling because of your traditions, your man-made traditions. And and what what happens is, is when you do something repetitively and consistently, you forget why you were doing it. You forget why. We forget why we got married. We forget why we had kids. We forget why we got a job. We forget why we were doing this thing or that thing. And when we lose the why, you lose the value. When you lose the value, you lose the purpose. When you lose the purpose, there's, it just becomes a routine. Communion for us isn't a routine because we know why we do it. Now, could we do it every Sunday? Sure, but I'm going to explain why we do it every single time. Why? Our church is driven by purpose. And the purpose is, it's about people's lives. We want to help people discover God's purpose. I don't even want you to discover your purpose. You know, a lot of ministers say, I'm going to help you today discover your purpose for your life. Your purpose doesn't matter. God's purpose for your life is what matters. You need to discover his purpose. I'll tell you right now, you'll be a lot better off when you discover his why than your why. We want to help people discover God's purpose Hallelujah. Number two, number two, vision. Well, that one's an easy one. That's what we're talking about right now. But vision governs everything we do, guys. We're always a step ahead. Always a step ahead. When we lose vision, the Bible tells us that we are destroyed for a lack of vision. 
My people perish for a lack of vision. It's amazing the decay that sets in when you're no longer looking ahead. We're not a church that looks around. We're a church that looks ahead. We don't look around at what's currently going on. We're not moved by what we see. We're not moved by how we feel. We're not moved by statistics. We're not moved by things that are showing up in our lives right now. We are only moved by what's ahead. God is a God of faith. It says it's impossible to please God without faith. Faith is living in what you cannot see today. If you can, if you can see it today, it's not faith. I heard one minister put it this way. He said, uh, if you're in faith believing for something, the moment that you get it in the scene, God's already moved on to the next thing. God lives where you cannot see. And vision has not been obtained. We just saw vision is for an appointed time. It's for a future time. Now, we look ahead to where God is taking us while remembering where God has brought us. We look ahead to where God is taking us while remembering where God has brought us. God's faithfulness is what will drive you into the future. You can't help but get up and move forward when you're looking back on what God has done in your life. We don't look back on our accomplishments and our successes. We don't look back on our past and our failures. We look ahead to the vision that God has, and we look back to the faithfulness that says keep moving. God's faithfulness will keep you moving. God's faithfulness will drive you into the next thing. Because he showed himself faithful here, he will show himself faithful here. He who promised is faithful to perform. Amen. And so we're driven by vision. Everything we do, we're always a step ahead. We're, uh, our, our, our ushers ministry is operating. Uh, so what does it look like when we're at this amount of people? What does it look like when we're at this? Our children's ministry, uh, we're already gauging what is the max limit we can have. Uh, I'm already having our teams run numbers on what does two services look like here. Oh, it doesn't look, I mean, look at how many people are here today. No, vision drives you forward. See, I, 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 see, I see Billy here, and I see Jenny there, and I see Jane here and I see Timmy over here and I see uh, Serena there and I see and, and, and so I'm seeing these seats full in the name of Jesus and not only that but I, I'm seeing lines out the doors that are waiting to get in here for the next service I'm seeing our children's ministry with two and three and four teachers not just one and I see more than what I have today I don't look around I look ahead it's not easy but we got to look ahead we're driven by vision. Number three, third core value that defines our church is growth. Growth. Anything growing is changing. Is changing. Anything growing is changing. We anticipate change. I said anticipate. You can be proactive or you can be reactive. When it comes to growth, you can be the parent that goes ahead and buys the next size up in your kids' shoes because you know in the next three months they're going to grow in them. Or you can buy the size they wear now and in the next three years you're going to react to the fact that I can't get these shoes on you. We got to run to the store right now. Because growth, growth happens by change. Anything growing is changing. So we anticipate change because it's a sign of growth. We don't resist change. We're, we don't, we, we're not a hindrance to change. There's not a hesitancy. Things will change because they're growing. I was out to minister with our uh, leadership team last night, uh, and, and I read them an email. Back in the 90s, uh, Chick-fil-A had a competitor show up uh, uh, called Boston Chicken, and they had this design uh, that they were going to reach a billion dollars in sales by the year 2000. This is in the 90s. And they were going to outdo what Chick-fil-A was currently doing. And so uh, the, the uh, upper staff of, uh, you know, the, the, the board members of Chick-fil-A were getting all frantic. We got to get bigger. We got to get bigger. We got to get bigger. How can we grow faster? How can we grow faster? They're going to outdo us because they're talking about putting up all these chains and doing all this stuff. And Truett Cathy, the, the founder uh, uh, of Chick-fil-A, he's at the end of the table just kind of listening. And then he finally stands up and pounds his fist on the table and says, guys, before, we're, before we try to get bigger, we need to worry about doing better. 
Our priority is not to just get bigger and just expand and just mobilize and do all this stuff. We, want to, we need to do what we're doing today better. And health is more important than growth. But this is the thing. Most of the time, healthy things grow. Most of the time, if it's healthy, it's growing. And I don't want to grow something that's unhealthy because then you just get a bigger problem. Then you're just presented with a larger problem. But when our focus is being healthy, we'll grow. We'll grow. But we've got to anticipate change. Looking ahead, vision requires that we anticipate change. Things will change. We've already had change just in the last four years. And change will continue to come. And so we just know as a church that change will become a vital part of what we do. But we change, we do what God tells us to do, and it allows growth to take place. Number four. Number four. Number four is service. Number four is service. You've heard us say this before. It's bigger than all of us. It's bigger than all of us, but it takes each one of us. It's bigger than all of us, but it takes each one of us. We will serve God by serving people. We will serve God by serving people. Service is uh, uh, an opportunity. It's an opportunity to invest in what God is doing. Service. Service. We've got to serve. We've got to serve. Guys, everything that we do requires people being put to work. We can't neglect the work. We can't neglect what we need to put our hands to. We, need, we can't neglect uh, what uh, uh, re- requires us to, to invest in and put our time in. We've got to serve. We've got to give our talents, give your gifts, give your abilities in some way at some level and never devalue what you do. You've heard us say this before, that one of the highest values, one of the highest uh, things that I value in this ministry, if I had to prioritize one, would be our greeters at the door. You, you realize that people, when they come and visit and, and when they're here for the first time, by the time they by the time they get to hear me, they've already almost deduced whether they're coming back or not. If you have grumpy faces at the door, frowning on everybody, nobody's helpful, nobody's encouraging, nobody's even excited that you're there. I'm not going back. You're lucky if I even walk through the door. I'll turn around and go right back out. We know this. Nobody has to go to church here. Uh, and, and this, you know, both, uh, you know, for sure in this city, you've got other options. My goodness, this town. I remember when we were, you know, driving up here back in 2011, coming up here every single Sunday, driving up from St. Augustine and holding an evening, evening service here every single week for 10 months doing that. And on the way to the church in Remerton, you pass a hundred churches thinking, my goodness. Why? That's purpose, man. It goes back to purpose. There are options in this city. And we don't take that for granted, but it's because people serve. Our, our, we have an Elevate Appreciation Day coming up uh, on the 25th. Man, I'm so excited because we want to, I mean, I wish I could do it every Sunday. I could wish that I had a gift to put in your hand or something that I could say, thank you for your service. Because if there's nobody watching kids, we're not doing what we're doing over here today. If we don't have greeters at the door, if we don't have people, if you had to get up and go grab your own offering envelope, the little things, if I didn't have somebody up there turning the slides, I, all right, let's go to number five. All right, I'm going to go back here. All right, let's see. Where's number five in here? 
Which one is that? Uh, okay, number five after service. Okay, it's uh, oh, excellence. There it is, excellence. So we're gonna go to. All right, there it is, guys. Number five. All right, they got that. Okay, number six. No, but I got Mr. Eric Grambo back here serving faithfully. The thing we don't even value. Why? Because it just happens. You notice that you don't notice the things that are just happening. When do you notice it? When it doesn't work? (laughs) Eric and Jimmy back there. You know when everyone turns around? When something doesn't happen right up here? Or I say, all right, let's go to verse 3. Verse 3. All right. Verse and everyone's like, what's going on, man? Where's... Verse 3. Verse 3. All right. Okay. Why? We take that stuff for granted, but it's because of service. It's all. And look, guys, I know it's bigger than all of us. But it takes each one of us. It takes each one of us. I'm only doing my fit that God's called me to do, just like you've got to do your fit that God's called you to do. Don't devalue your role and value someone else's role. We're doing what the Bible tells us in uh, uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 11, that we are in the body as it pleases him. You're not in the body as it pleases me. You're not in the body as it pleases your team leader. You're not in the body as it pleases those that you're serving. You're in the body as it pleases him. God gets the glory. God gets the praise. God gets the honor when you're serving in your fit. Find your fit. Plug in. I remember I had a conversation with an individual. They had been here for a while and, and just hadn't gotten plugged in, hadn't served. And, 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 and you know, he says, well, you know, I really feel called to this. I really feel called. I, I told him, I said, I said, I'll be honest with you, man. When, when I went to, uh, and growing up in ministry, but from 2004, I, that was my 101, man. I went to Bible school, but they can't teach you in class what you learn doing. And, and, and when I went down there with, uh, with Pastor O, I, Probably nine out of ten things I did, I never felt called to do. We were in Gamble Rogers Middle School for three years, and I was on a set-up and tear-down team. We had to, to get there at 8 a.m. in the morning to set everything up, children's classrooms, book table, cafe area, sound system, drum, had to do all that. You guys remember, stuff it all into a closet, and get there an hour early, stay an hour, hour and a half late trying to figure out, okay, how do we get this in here? I mean, week to week, we can never remember how we got it in there last week. And there was nothing in me that said, you know what, I I feel called to set up ministry. The ministry of set up and tear down. But helps ministries in the Bible, and I can help out. Where can I help? Where can I lend a hand? I don't feel called to usher, but I can usher. I can pass an envelope. I don't feel called to children's, but, you know, I'm pretty good with kids. I can keep their attention, and I'd love to minister to them and teach them the Word of God. How can I get involved? Those are the hearts that expand in the kingdom of God. How can I do it? You can't stand not doing anything. I can't stand just sitting here. I got to do something. I got to open a door for somebody. I got to wear some kind of badge. I got to get the T-shirt on. I got to do something. I've got to put my hand to something. Now, we don't burn people out here. We always place a priority and a value on you being in service and not just serving. Because if you're not getting anything in, you have nothing to give out. We don't burn people out, but there is a necessity to put our hand to the work. This only happens week in and week out because of faithful people like you. Period. Service. Number five is already up there. Excellence. We don't talk about it a whole lot, but you see it. Everything we do is how can we do it better. I'm always asking. And and even when I see something good, look, the greatest enemy of great is good. The thing that will destroy momentum is settling for good. I want everything to be great. I want the presentation to be great. Uh, I remember uh, down in in St. Augustine with Pastor, a lot of these things that we have, they were instilled within me. 
in a previous location in the training that I received. But if it's worth doing, it's worth doing right. If it's worth doing, it's worth doing right. And I would rather do a few things right than a bunch of things wrong. I would rather give 100% to five things than 50% to 10 things. Less is more. And, and, and when it comes to excellence, guys, I just believe that God deserves our best. Now, I, I mean, I don't know how many times in the first four years, you know, I'm sure my leadership, our leadership team can tell me how many times I've ripped something down or, or turned something away. I got my Pinterest fans over here, my wife and, and Lisa. They, they are the Pinterest gurus, man. They own Pinterest. They got stock in it. They, Pinterest ought to be paying them for the things that they're doing. And they do some excellent stuff. But I'm always asking, okay, what else can we do? Uh, that's how it looks on the computer. But how, how can we take it to the next level? Down in St. Augustine, I remember Pastor Earl, uh, someone put up a sign-up sheet for something they had just sharpied on. There was a piece of paper, just a blank piece of paper, and sharpied on there, uh, sign up for whatever, and drew some lines that people could sign up on and thought that was okay. And Pastor Earl was, took it, crumbled it up, balled it up, threw it away. No sign-up sheet. Why? Because that doesn't look excellent. It does, that's not a great presentation. I don't want to sign up for that. I'll tell you what, it will take you over the top when you, when you ask yourself, how can I do it better? And we're always asking ourselves. I, I'm very meticulous about that. Just personally, Lisa probably knows more than anybody. She has to deal with my type A personality on multiple levels. God's given her a grace and a patience to be our administrative assistant and to help me out with these things. But I, I'm very meticulous. But at the end of the day, it's about you. Not only does God deserve our best, I believe you deserve our best. You, you wouldn't come here if there was trash littered all across the parking lot and there, this place hadn't been vacuumed in a couple of weeks and, uh, and, and we just had you know, random little things hung up on the wall. We do things with excellence. We, go, uh, we, we take care of the things that nobody would notice because we believe God deserves our best. If it's worth doing, it's worth doing right. This is a core value of Anchor Faith Church. We do it with excellence or we don't do it at all. Number, seven, uh, number six. Number six. Generosity. Generosity. We've got to be a generous church. It, it, it is, uh, um, what's the word I'm looking for? A paradox? Uh, things that are opposite? Is, it, is that what I'm looking for in my English? Teacher over here putting you on the spot. Here we go. It's a paradox to be a church that's not generous. You you can't do that. You can't be the church of the living God, the body of Christ, and be stingy. And say, what about me? We're not a church that says, what about me? First off, we're not a me church. We're a we church. Everything we do is, is who is it affecting around us? But we have because we give. The world says, I give because I have. But I give, I give because someone first gave to me. It is the nature of a kingdom citizen to be a giver. And I'm not just talking about money, guys. There's many ways you can be stingy. There's many ways that we can be greedy. We can be greedy with our time. We can be greedy with our service. And if we walk through these doors saying, what am I going to get today? It's the wrong heart. Well, when we come through these doors of how can I be a blessing to somebody today? How, God, what, who would you have me? I've got needs. I've got things that you want to minister to me. I, I've got things going on in my life. But, God, if I can just be a blessing to someone, if, it, if there's anything in me that you can help me be a blessing to someone else with, I ask you to draw it out of me. And that's the biggest blessing you'll ever receive. That's the greatest blessing you'll ever receive. We have... Because we give. The reason why we have what we have is because we're givers. God has no problem getting seed to the sower. 
Jesus said it. And he will give seed to the sower. If you'll be faithful with what you have, then he'll know, I'm not just going to get it to them, I can get it through them. We said this a few weeks ago when we ministered on generosity. We will not be defined by what we have. This church will be defined by what we give. The bigger we get, the more that we grow, the more people we have, the more buildings we have, the more influence we have, is only going to put us in a posture to give more. What I have, what I have will always be outweighed by what I give. And that's the heart of this church. That's our core value. We will be known by our generosity. I'll tell you right now, we, we haven't even we haven't even touched the surface. We haven't even touched the surface. And I, I've wanted to get there. I've wanted to move there. Guys, trust me, there are things that I want that I've wanted to do for a long time that I haven't been able to do. I've wanted to do college ministry. I've wanted to do something on the campus of VSU. I've wanted uh, to be uh, hook up with outreach partners in our time. And our, There's things that I want to do, and it's just a matter. I mean, if I could do it all today, I would. I'm just asking you to be patient with me as we grow this thing and as we continue to move this thing forward. But we haven't even touched the surface in our generosity. One day we will give tens of thousands of dollars away. I was at Options Now, like I mentioned earlier. This church alone gave over $1,200 in the baby bottle boomerang uh, that they did earlier this year. They raised over $50,000, but she said we had a goal of sixty. And in my heart, I'm saying, how can I come up with the other $10,000? I just want to meet that goal. I want to meet that need. How can we do that? God is not small. God can do great things with people that will open themselves up and allow them to be used. Just asking the question. But one day we will. We will be known for our generosity. We'll make Jesus known because we're a church that's generous and just says, how can we be a blessing? How can we come help? And that's the heart of our church. I know that's the heart of many of you. The last one, number seven. Number seven. Evangelism. Evangelism. You know, for the longest time, not the longest time, maybe last four or five years, there has been this, really I just see it as an attack of the enemy that is divisive at its source, and we just haven't seen it. And a couple weeks ago I was looking at this, and I saw it. There's a divisiveness happening in churches today where you're either known as a discipling church or you're known as an evangelizing church. I believe it's an attack of the enemy. When I look in the Bible, I don't believe that the two are inseparable. I believe that disciples should be evangelizing, and I believe that evangelists should be discipling. I don't believe there's a separation. And this church is not going to be known as the teaching church or the discipling church. Or They place a lot of value on growing people up spiritually and, and training them in the word of God. And we're not going to be known as, well, they're the outreach church. Man, they're, they're just always, uh, you know, everything they do is centered towards the lost. Everything they do is centered around people that don't know Jesus. We'll be known as both. We are on the inside reaching out. I don't devalue one or the other. I don't prioritize one or the other. I believe that what is happening in here allows us to go out there. Now, I want to make something clear. Uh, Last week I made this statement that we are a church plant. And when you plant something, that seed is put in the ground, and for a while, especially in the beginning stages, it's not concerned with what it's giving away. It's got to take something in. 
You've got to be putting something in the seed so that it can grow roots, break through the ground, and then sprout fruit. The fruit is what is given away, but it's the roots that allows the fruit to show up. If you don't have any roots, you don't have any fruit. They go hand in hand. And so, yes, in the beginning stages of this church, we have had a lot of investment inward. But that's only so that we can do do something outward. And the increase of the outward flow is getting ready to hit this city like never before. I mean, there's things on my heart that I want to do that we can reach this city with. But we've got to train up people in here. No, no longer are we going to have, well, this, this guy, you know, he's the teacher. He just trains people up, and you know, he's not really much of an evangelist. How can you say that? How can you? The reason why, look, outreach is not an event. Outreach should be perpetual. We, we've, we've done this thing in our churches now that it's not outreach unless it's got a time and a date on it, unless you're hooked up with somebody, unless a bunch of people show up, unless they're wearing T-shirts. That's not outreach. You realize when you go to work tomorrow, you're doing outreach? Why? Because you're reaching people that I'm not talking to right now. How many of you have at least four coworkers? Wow, look at that. Four, eight, twelve. 16, can't count anymore, 20, 24, 28, 32. And that's just four. How many of you have five? How many of you have seven? How many of you have ten? I mean, come on, man. Do we not see the exponential capacity and potential that lies within each individual that's hearing the word and doing the word. How dangerous it is to be a hearer and not a doer. Because doers don't impact somebody else's life. Or people, uh, hearers only, don't impact. It's the doers. It's those that get out of here and now you're applying. And people are saying, how did you, how did you get healed of that? That, that disease is going around, man. You know, I just trusted God. I just believe his word. His word tells me I've got healed. You, you got someone sick in your family? Let's pray for them right now. Man, did you hear that they're shutting down the company? They're letting us all go. What are you going to do? I'm, God's got me covered. I'm just going to see God. See what he says. Well, man, I'm freaking out. I mean, my wife's thinking about leaving me. I mean, this, this was everything. This job was everything. I lost my 401k. These are real-life problems. These are real life struggles. The struggle is real, <laughs> as they say. I try to keep up. Thirty-two. It doesn't come as easy anymore. There are people out there that are struggling, and they're not sitting here today. They might be in the future. But they're not here today, but tomorrow, and Tuesday, and Wednesday, you get to do outreach. Don't devalue outreach because you're not wearing a t-shirt and you don't have 10 other people doing it with you. You don't have a shovel in your hand or you don't have a paintbrush in your hand. And the thing you know, that I have for those people, because I've, I've been asked a couple of times, you know, when are you going to do some outreach? I said, what are you doing? And most of them aren't. Now, there are a few that's like, well, I'm, I'm doing stuff. I know Chuck over here uh, and, and, and Mr. Shannon, they do nursing home ministry almost every single Tuesday that I know of. That, they didn't have to even wait for me to ask them. They didn't come to me and say, hey, Pastor, when are we going to start up nursing home ministry? They just got busy doing something. They are outreach. And what I, what's being poured into them, they're now pouring into others that need it, that aren't here. It's outreach. Reaching out. We train internally so we can minister externally. Yes, I said minister. I said minister. That word ministry in the Bible is the Greek word translated serve. That's all that ministry is. 
doesn't mean you have to have a pulpit and a Bible and you have to have a, a, an outline that you're teaching someone. You have to have a microphone in your hand and somebody helping you with slides. That's not ministry. Ministry is when you're communicating the gospel. Man, you should have heard what my pastor said yesterday. It would help you out with your situation. Ministry is, hey, you need help moving this weekend and just being a light to somebody in the midst of darkness. Ministry is not judging somebody, but helping, helping someone identify, man, what you're doing, is, it's, it's dangerous, man. It's going to hurt you, but I know a better way. And a greater testimony to me is when people come up to me on Sunday morning and say, man, I got an opportunity to pray with my coworker, rather than say, hey, I, I've been invited my coworker. I hope they come to church this weekend because, uh, man, they need to hear what you're saying. They need to hear what you're saying. All of us have opportunities to minister. And so we train internally so we can minister externally. I don't devalue one or the other. I don't prioritize one or the other. I don't separate the two. We train in here so we can minister out there. And so this is the heart of our church. Again, as I said, this month we're focusing on our church's vision. I'm usually preaching. I'm usually teaching. usually giving you more word. But this month I'm just getting us geared up, getting us focused on what, where God wants to take us. This, we're talking about where do we go from here? You've got to know the plan. God is a planner. Did you know that? God doesn't just, well, look what happened today. Let there be light. Oh, look at that. There's light. No, he plans things. Aren't you thankful that God planned your existence? Uh, he doesn't just plan your entrance. He's planned your existence. He didn't just plan you getting here and then said, all right, figure it out from there. No, he got you here and he says, now here's all the steps if you'll obey me. He didn't just plant, uh, plan the planting and the birthing of the church and say, all right, figure it out. No, he's got a plan. He's got a step. He's got a way that we need to go. And if we will follow his plan, oh, the great things he has in store for us. Chase, if you'd come up. The great things that he has in store for us. This is the plan. This is how we will ignite the city. This is how we will impact the nation. This is how we will influence the world. These are the core values of Anchor Faith Church. Everything we do operates around these values. My goal is by next week, by next Sunday, these seven values will be posted up in this hallway. I, I uh, encourage you when you're here, to just go through the hallway and just glance at them. Just keep them in front of you. Keep your eyes set on them. They'll be set up there. Everything I said today will be up on that wall so you can see. We write down the vision. We make it plain so that those who read it can run with it. We run with service. We run with excellence. We run with vision. We run with growth. We run with evangelism. We run with these things. These are the values. This is how we accomplish God has called us to do. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. As I've told you, next Sunday is our four-year anniversary service. And we are in the stretch. In the stretch. Next week I'll be ministering on the stretch. But next week is our opportunity for our stretch offering. Our ushers have cards that they want to get to you right now uh, as they begin to move. And these cards are simply commitment cards. It's important to commit. It's important to commit to a move of God. It's important to commit. As they move now, they're going to get every single individual. You'll get one. You'll have an opportunity to commit to what God is doing in this church. Stretch with us. We said this, that if you will increase your stretch, you will expand your reach. There are areas, there are things that God wants us to reach, and it's going to require us to stretch. Now, next week, next Sunday, for the first time ever, we are doing a year-end giving, a year-end offering. As I told you, several, well, I guess in, in the month of August, I told you that we were approached with an opportunity to purchase some land here in town. A great deal. Great. I mean, it's just, it's a God deal. And there are still some things that I've got to work out. There are some, still some searching and some digging that we've got to do. There have been a, a few minor changes. Originally, it was 11 acres of land. 
uh, the individual that owns the land has decided to keep four acres of it and wants to sell us seven acres at less than what we were originally looking at. Originally, he was looking at around $135,000, and he's even brought that down. But we're still looking at raising those funds. The only way that I'll purchase it, the way that God has led me, is uh, that uh, we will purchase it outright. We will not finance it. And that's just the beginning. you still got to put a building on it. you still got to do all that, and that's a lot of work. And that's going to require us to grow. We're not, we're not at a building stage today. But I do believe that we can stretch our faith and stretch our finances and sow towards this project. Now, I know you hear over $100,000, you think, I don't got that. You don't have to have it. That's why there's multiple people, and God, God is impressing on people's hearts what to give. But I will say this, allow God to stretch you. I know I've got an amount right now, and I don't have that amount. I'm going to tell you right now, the amount that God's laid on my heart, it is not in my bank account today. I'm just going to be honest with you. But I'm believing that God will stretch me and I'm putting my faith out there. And I believe come seven days from now, it'll be there. Now, don't write faith checks. Well, I'm going to write this check and I know by the time you cash it, it's going to be in the bank. Okay, no, don't do that. But put your faith out there. But here's the second part of it. We will be doing these annual year-end givings every year. That's why we call it annual. And uh, every year on our anniversary date, we will be taking up a year in giving. So over the next 12 months, you have an opportunity to commit to give above your tithe and offering. I cannot stress that enough. Tithe and offering covers operations. That's what takes care of the day to day. But above that, if you say, man, I, I, I can put in $50 a month towards that. It's $25 a pay period for, for our biweekly people. Or a hundred or two hundred. There's increments. Or if God lays another dollar amount and you say, I'm going to commit to this. I want you to take it and write it on that card. You will turn those cards in next week. You take them home. You pray over that. There's also an opportunity not only for you to invest, but there's an opportunity for you to invite. You all know people. You all know people. Five people. It might be the lady that cuts my hair. It might be the grocery clerk at Publix. You might not even know their name, but you know people. And I want you to commit that in the next 12 months, you will give a personal invitation to those individuals to invite them to come with you to church. We're going to stretch. We're going to reach. We're going to invest and we're going to invite. And we're going to grow this thing for the kingdom of God. Amen. Are you with me? Are you with me? So you take those cards home. You pray about what God, I mean, pray. I mean, pray. I mean, take the card and put it in front of you and say, God, Holy Spirit, lead me. What is it that you would have me do? You're going to stretch yourself next week. But then beyond that, until we get to our next year end, what God, God, what do you want me to do? What do you want to commit me to? Now, here's the thing. There's no place to put your name on there because I don't care. It's between you and God. It's the commitment you're making between you and God. I don't need to know. I want you to turn those cards in so we can see. There's Jane. There's Billy. That, 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 that seat that I was calling out, they're on this piece of paper right there on this card. And we want to see them come. I'm going to believe God with you that your invitation is going to draw them in to come hear the word of God and come grow with us. And then we can set that dollar amount. And we will agree with you that you will have that dollar amount every month. And that's on you. If you're not able to do it, that, that's on you. I, I, I won't know the difference. But I believe that God wants to stretch our church body so that we can reach people. Remember we said this, if you will increase your stretch, he'll expand your reach. And when you expand your reach, you can touch people you've never touched before. And whatever we touch, God will change. How many of you want to see changed lives? It starts with our stretching. It starts with our stretching. Look, you might have to stretch yourself and write somebody's name on them that you don't want to invite to church. <laughs> you might, I don't want them coming to church with me. I get enough of them money through Friday. I don't want them coming hanging out with me. And you may have to pray that God changes your heart so you can see them come and hook up with you. Because they need to hear what you're hearing. Right? They need to hear. They need to be changed. Just like God changed your life, God wants to change their life. 
So hook up with us. Fill out those cards this week. Bring them in. And when you turn in your stretch offering giving, turn in that card with it. And we want to take those cards. I I might even take them and and post them up so that we can always be seeing the names and the individuals. We can touch and agree and say, yeah, we want to see those people come to church. Hallelujah. Father, we thank you. We thank you for what you're doing. The vision is great. The vision is large. It is bigger than all of us, but it requires each one of us. So, Father, we give ourselves to seeing the vision accomplished in the city, the vision accomplished through this, through this church, Father. We hook up by faith. We hook up financially. We participate and contribute. So, Father, we thank you that the work that you do through us will be exponential, the capacity, the potential that is within us. Father, we thank you for the increase. The things that you're going to draw out of us as we hook up with this. We don't see it now. We, 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 we can't see how you'll use us in that capacity. But you will. Father, we thank you for what you're going to do in our lives. We give you all the glory, all the praise, and all the honor for it in Jesus' name. Our ushers are moving now. If you need an offering envelope, please raise your hand. Our ushers will get one to you. Uh, just so you know, if you happen to, hey, I can't be here next week, go ahead and, 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 and give today. Give today. You can give the following week. You can give online. There's multiple avenues. Uh, uh, Don't feel that you're limited. This stretch offering is continuing. It's continuing for the next year. We will be stretching. It's important to stretch. It's dangerous to exercise what you haven't stretched. Amen. But we're going to stretch. So while you're filling out your tithe uh, and offering envelopes, your checks. You can make them payable to Anchor Faith Church. 